prayer and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is in the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will ascend into the abyss, for that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? That the word uh, is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess uh, with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no uh, distinction between Jew nor Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they, and, and how shall, uh, they preach unless they are sent out? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Uh, For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Uh, their, Their sound has gone out to all of the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did, I, uh, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, and I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me, and I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my uh, hand to a disobedient and contrite people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, I thank you for your word. I ask that uh, it opens our eyes this morning, Father. I ask that uh, your spirit would uh, just lay hold of this verse and interpret for us, Father. That uh, we would understand and we would rightfully know uh, the will of God. So we just lift this time to you. ask you to be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't God good all the time? (laughs) Am I living? I'm living? Hey! I hear it now. Well, we've been looking at uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11, the second uh, section. We need to kill that one, Cindy. 
or it'll screech at us. The second section of, uh, of uh, Romans, remember we began looking at the principles of the righteousness of God. Now we're talking about the problems of the righteousness of God. In Romans chapter 9, we talked about God's election of Israel. The idea that God chose them. In Romans chapter 10, we're talking now about the issue of Israel's rejection and the Gentiles' reception. And then finally, in chapter 11, we're going to look at uh, the reality that that. Israel is going to be restored. And, and so as we look at chapter 10, there's, there's three things. I put a little slide in there, if it's, if you can find it. Three things on, uh, on what we see in Romans chapter 10. The first one that's important for us to understand is that the gospel is within reach of all. The gospel is within reach of all. If we look at Romans 10.8, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So the, the word, the gospel, is there. It's available to, uh, to everybody. The second thing that we see is we see that it's offered to all. It's important that we understand these things. It's offered to all. In Romans 10.11 it says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That's whoever, right? Whosoever. It says uh, in verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord, huh? Shall be saved. The salvation is offered to all. It is within reach of all. But the third part is important. It's not obeyed by all. There should be a response to the gospel. There should be a response. In Romans 10, 16, it says, But they have not all obeyed. The gospel. Now, a lot of times when people come to Romans 10, 16, and we'll talk about it when we get there in a minute, but when we, they come to it, they think this is for Israel. That's not what it says. It doesn't say Israel there. I'm sorry, I, I think if, uh, it might actually if you have the NIV, but Israel's not there. <laughs> it doesn't say it. It says they have not all obeyed. Has everyone you've ever shared the gospel with received the gospel? That's what he's saying. Not all respond. Not all have responded to, to what's given. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Not everyone. Remember I told you, the scripture lays out for us very clearly that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cover the sins of the whole world. But the Bible also tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ is only efficient to those who believe to those who receive what Jesus Christ has offered. Well, as we look, we're going to begin in Romans 10, beginning at verse 14, finish up chapter 10. And we're, we've been talking previously, uh, we were talking about the, the necessity of, uh, of the gospel. Now we have the necessity of hearing uh, the, the message. I'm sorry, we had the nature of God's righteousness, now the necessity of of hearing the message. He begins in, in chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. 
first thing we see here is that a preacher must be sent. It's interesting because the word here uh, is the word um, caruso, which means to proclaim, or it's speaking of a herald. And the idea is, the focus in the scripture here is not on the person. It's on what he's doing. He's heralding. He's declaring. He's making a declaration of freedom. He's making a declaration of what Christ has done. The scripture lays out for us that the one who preaches, the one who heralds, must be sent. There's a lot of things we can talk about that for. For example, we, we gotta send out missionaries. We need to send the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Jesus very clearly, at the end of the gospel of Matthew, called us to go into all the world making disciples of how many nations? All of them, right? Every nation. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them the things that Jesus commanded. And then he declared, Lo, I am with you. Even until the end of the age, He is with us going through that time. But there's more than that, so much more to the concept. Because what happens is, we think often in the, for lack of a better term, organized church, that we come together and our role is to payroll someone to go. And we think somehow that that absolves us from what the Word of God declares. But the Word of God declares that we have all been sent I know sometimes this is an uncomfortable topic. Let me give you the point. Sometimes people say, you know what, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so, so I'm not called to evangelize. Man, I, I wish that was true. The word for evangelize is the word evangelion. It means to proclaim the gospel. Everyone is called to proclaim the gospel. Some may be gifted. Praise God. Some may not. What a drag. But you still got to do it. Oh, come on. No, listen. It's really not so hard as we make it out. We try to comfort ourselves with the, with the stress and the strain. But let me tell you something. When, when we, Kathy gave birth to our firstborn son, JC, who's actually somewhere on the road between California and here right now. So uh, they're coming out for the wedding. But anyways, side point. When he was born, he looked like a lizard. He did. He looked like a lizard. It, he was... He, not a lot has changed in the last 20-some years. He looked like a lizard. He'd been in Kathy two weeks too long. There was no water in the placenta. His skin was peeling all over his whole body. I was pretty sure he was shedding. And that we had proof that, 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 that reptile men were possible. His fingernails were like six inches long. Weren't they long? Okay, not six inches. A quarter inch long. Whatever. On a baby, his fingernails were long. But when he was born, no matter all that stuff, when he was born, I could not, not tell people about him. Well, my son was born, when I walked up to talk to somebody, that birth, having a child, was so important in my life that I had to tell people I had a son. Now, I couldn't deliver him. I couldn't have, have gave birth to him. I couldn't have done any of that stuff. But what I could do is say what he meant to me. Everybody is called to do that.
if you are uncomfortable with that, that would lead me to the second part of it. What you love, you praise. I know guys who have been following the biggest losing teams in NFL's history, and they'll still walk around with a bumper sticker on the back of their truck that says Raiders. <laughs> That's a cheap shot there. Anyway, <laughs> they'll still, wherever they go, proclaim. I know guys that got tattoos on them, you know, big old tattoo of their favorite team, like they're free advertising, right? Because they're just so proud of that team. Please don't tell me that you are that proud of your favorite sports team or, or baseball or hockey or basketball or whatever it is. That's cool. I'm glad that you enjoy those things. Tell me that you are not more proud of them than you are of Jesus Christ who died for you. I'll get my bumper sticker, you got lots of bumper stickers, Noe. <laughs> One thing for sure, your car never fall apart with all that stickers on it. It's all going to stay together. So when we talk about this, it says, how will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone heralds? It's not like the idea of preaching, like we get in our minds, you know, oh, Jackie's, it's time for Jackie to preach. He's preaching. We're all called to herald, declare, glorify, come before and, and, and express how, how uh, important Jesus Christ is to us. If I placed my faith and trust in Him then I cannot be ashamed to declare the gospel because that's how He impacted my life. Just like I'm not ashamed of my kids, not a one of them. And I'll tell you JC stories, Cole stories, and Joe stories because they're mine. I love them. I want to talk about them. If Jesus is yours and you love Him, you want to talk about Him. That's just how it works. How will they know how will they hear unless someone is sent? Listen, John 20, verse 21. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, His disciples, Peace I give to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, He was praying for all who would believe in accordance to His disciples. The words that they shared. Everyone who's going to believe on your testimony, I'm praying for them. Now he's saying, I believe to all of his church through them. Like the Father sent me, I sent you. How'd the Father send him? Well, Luke 19.10, he said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. How will they get saved unless someone proclaims? Unless somebody shares. Is it important that we go to the four corners of the earth? Absolutely. But it's far more important that you cross the street. That you go next door. That you talk to that person that you saw the other day in Costco. Looked like they were upset. And maybe could have used someone to come alongside and say, Hey, can I pray for you? Just stepping out and taking the opportunity by which or through which God may use you to proclaim the fact that you love Jesus to somebody else. That's what He's calling us to. In Acts 8.1, it says, Now Saul, consenting to the death of Stephen, <clears throat> at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Listen, and they all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. So who all scattered? All the people, right? 
It tells us, it, it's going to define the all force in the next three words. Except the apostles. So the twelve, they didn't run. But everybody else spread, right? Now look down at verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. What's it say? Preaching the word. Caruso. Heralding. Proclaiming. Telling about what Jesus Christ means to them. See, in Revelation, it tells in Revelation chapter 12 how it is that we overcome the enemy. It's not because my theology is better than somebody else. It's not because I got it all worked out, all the doctrines I understand, how everything fits. I got it all logically placed. No, it says I overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb that Jesus Christ saves me. By the word of my testimony, what He's doing in my life. And the fact that I don't love myself more than everybody else. They did not love their lives unto the death. It wasn't about making me happy or, or making me comfortable. It was about being who Christ has asked me to be. That's how they over everybody. So everybody who scattered in Acts, they went around preaching, proclaiming. Proclaiming the good news. You notice how at the end of that little section it has this phrase about beautiful feet. You guys ever wonder about that? I know some people think nobody has beautiful feet. Do you believe that? Man, I got beautiful feet. I could have been a foot model. <laughs> All my toes are just perfect. You know, not one giant one next to it. They just nice, straight lines. I got to be careful. Every time somebody stomps on my foot, I'm afraid that they're going to ruin my modeling career for the opportunity <laughs> to break into foot modeling. But... That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's not talking about purdy feet. This is what it's talking about. Why beautiful feet? The word beautiful comes from two words. Hora, iroi. It means the full bloom of development. The idea is, uh, it includes both blooming maturity and vigor. Appropriate here is the idea that they're uh, uh, swift and happy. You guys remember the movie Happy Feet? It's kind of like that. Well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me bring it down to where it's at in the Bible. Let's look at Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52, verse 4, the Lord is telling the children of Israel that their captivity is going to end. And He says this, For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore... What have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing? Those who rule over them make them wail, says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every day. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. See, your watchmen, they lift up their voices. With their voices they will sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare His holy arm in the eyes of the nation. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. In Nahum, 
He says this in Nahum 1.15, Behold, on the mountains, the feet of Him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. Oh, Judah, keep your appointed feast. Perform your vows, for the wicked one will no more pass through you. He's utterly cut off. The idea of the beautiful feet of the messenger that's bringing peace is a picture. Let's think about it. You're living in the ancient world. You don't have cell phones. You don't have the ability to text and see what's going on. Now there's a huge battle between your nation and another nation. And you're back at home, surrounded by the wall. The battle's out in the battlefield. And you're hoping, you're praying that you're winning. That your side is going to win the battle. They're going to attain the victory. And that when you see the, the, the witness coming, when you see the guy running towards you, you'll be able to tell whether it's good news or bad news by the way he's running. See, when the watchman would watch on the wall, they didn't have to hear what he had to say. All they had to do was watch how he runs. And they would say, Oh, it's good news! How beautiful are the feet! They're running swift. Those are happy feet. That's a man who's got a purpose. He knows his purpose. He can't wait to get to us to tell us that victory has been had. That's why the feet are beautiful. They're not hesitant. They're not unsure. They're not dragging. Imagine coming back home with the news that behind you is an army coming to destroy everything everyone has. Imagine the posture of your body. Imagine the posture of your body now with good news. News of salvation. God has delivered. See the difference. The watchman on the wall would say, Oh, how beautiful the feet of Him who brings news of peace. We won. You see, when we come back to the idea, the concept of a preacher, a herald, someone who's willing to share what Jesus Christ means to them, it's not hesitant or heavy feet. It's swift feet, ready to go, ready to share. How's anyone going to know the good news if you don't go tell them? If you don't go let them know about what Jesus Christ has done for you? That you are set free. Sin can no longer bind you up. You are set free. Death wears your sting. Death wears your victory. It's all swallowed up by the victory of Jesus Christ. Bob was sharing with me. He he went down and, and shared at Hagerman last last Wednesday or, or I mean last Sunday or two Sundays ago. And when we've been doing the Truth Project, one of the first ones on the Truth Project, the guy's question was, "Do you believe? Do you really believe what you believe is real? Is that right? Is really real? Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Well, let me make it a little more practical." If you don't tell, you don't believe it's real. Look, I can proclaim my favorite 
NFL team, whether they're winning or losing, because I know they're my favorite team. I can be all uh, excited if we sit down and we talk about politics or dumb stuff that's going on in the world or things that are happening, because I, I know those things are really happening. My question is, if we know that Jesus did what He said He did, and He's given what He said He's given to us, and if you believe it's really real, then you can't be quiet. Because that's good news. Your feet, they want to go. They want to tell. They want to share. They want to spread the news. How is the world going to hear the good news of salvation if we don't tell? If we don't go? But it's more than, than just we got to tell them because here's unfortunately where, where sometimes things fall apart. We'll, we'll say things or do things like, do you believe Jesus exists? Do you believe God exists? Folks, that don't save nobody. If somebody believes God exists, so do the demons. They're not saved. Believing God exists isn't what it's about. The Bible told us very clearly in Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Remember confess? We talked about the idea. If you say the same things He said. If you say, confess, that you believe He is who He said He was. There's a message to be preached, right? There's a message. Not just a preacher that needs to go. There's a message. Isaiah 61.1, listen to this. Jesus would read these words from a synagogue in Nazareth. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God has anointed me to do what? Preach good tidings to the poor. He's, he told me to tell them the good news. To share the good news of salvation. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The idea of sharing the good news, the gospel of peace. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Remember when the angels were, were declaring the birth of Jesus? Do you remember? It says in Luke 2, verse 10. Then the angel said to them... Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah, Christ the Lord. That's what it means. Messiah, Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, afterward he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve we're with him. There's a message. There's a message that was being delivered, that was being shared. A message that was going forth to whosoever would listen. Who would ever hear? In Acts 13, verse 32, it says, We declare to you glad tidings, good news. The promise which was made to the fathers. All those promises out of the Old Testament, God has fulfilled this for us their children, in that He raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, You are my Son. Today I have begotten You. You are my Son. Today I have begotten You. In 1 Corinthians 1, this is what Paul says, verse 17. For Christ did not send Me to baptize, but to preach the Gospel. 
to proclaim the good news. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God uses this crazy idea of you sharing what Jesus Christ has done in your life to bring people to salvation. He could have done it a lot of different ways. But he's, he's betting on this concept. If you really love me, if you really know me, then you'll really share me. You'll have a message to tell. The clearest description of the gospel clearest description of the gospel written for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 but listen if we go and we look at 1 Corinthians 2 it says and I brethren when I came to you did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him what? crucified I was not with or I was with you in weakness and fear and trembling and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 the same reasons and things that cause us to be hesitant but I don't know what to say I, I don't know all the answers God oh, you don't got to know all the answers Do you know what Jesus means to you? Do you know what He did for you? Do you know that He was incarnate, God in the flesh? That He came, was born, lived a perfect sinless life, was accused of our transgressions. That's what the Bible declares to us in Isaiah. He was put to death for the sins of mankind. On the third day, He rose again, and now He ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for us that we're going to make it. He set me free from myself. He set me free from my own struggles. He set me free from my struggle with the sin that so easily besets me. It's good news. And God wants us to proclaim His good news. There's a message that's to be shared, but even beyond that, there is a response that is to be given. Let's look at verse 14 and 15 again. How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? The Bible said, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall what? Shall be saved. Well, how will they call if they don't believe? See, what the, what the Word is indicating for us is there's a response to the message. There's a response to what's gone on. And that response begins with belief. Remember, putting your weight into, entrusting yourself. The, 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 the illustration I gave you on the cliff, right? You can't get up, but Jesus is there at the edge of the cliff, reaching over for you. <clears throat> he doesn't want one hand. You can put one hand in His hands, but that's not belief. i got to put them both. 
I got to put both hands in the hands of Jesus and believe that He is able to save. I put my weight in Christ. And when I believe, I will call on His name. I have to believe in order to call. Why would I call if I didn't believe? I'm not going to call in the name of Jesus if I don't believe. If I don't believe He is able to save, if I don't believe He is able to do what He said He does. Therefore, believe precedes call. He came into His own, and His own did not receive Him. But to as many as received Him, to them gave you the power to become the children of God. To as many as did what? Believed on His name. Put their weight in Christ. We must respond to the message. We must respond. How will they call if they don't believe? And how will they believe if they don't hear? And how will they hear unless you tell them? Unless you herald, unless you proclaim what Jesus Christ has done in your life. But then as we look at verse 16 and 17, not only do we see these things, but we also recognize that our own obedience is necessary. Look at it. But... They have not all obeyed the gospel. But always means a strong contrast. So, so he's say, he's stating whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But he's saying, how will they call if they don't believe? How will they believe if they haven't heard? How will they hear if you don't tell them? But even if you tell them, not all will respond. Everyone does not believe. But our obedience is necessary to salvation. If we don't speak, they don't got a chance. We must share. We must speak. And he gives proof from the Bible. Listen to what he said in Isaiah 53.1. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been Revealed. Who's going to believe us? Nobody believes this. Nobody believes the good news that we're telling. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say nobody believes. The Bible just doesn't say all will believe. We got to go and tell. Now let me let me try to press all this stuff in my noodles out for you in a way that's going to make sense. In John chapter 12... We have a declaration, not only the importance of the message that is preached, but our obedience to that message and what hinders those who don't believe. In John chapter 12, it says this, But although He had done many signs before them, who's the He? John chapter 12, who's the He? Jesus, right? Jesus in John chapter 12. So He had done many signs before them, Jesus, and they did not believe in Him. Jesus, right? That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? That sounds familiar, just like today's text, right? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. Therefore, why couldn't they believe? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and darkened their hearts, lest they would see with their eyes, lest they would understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Now that sounds like what he's saying is God has blinded their eyes. That God has closed their hearts. So they're not going to be able to receive even if you share with them. That's not true. 
We know that's not true because the whole church was Jews. If that was true, then all Jewish people's eyes were closed, hearts were done, ears were plugged, and the Gentiles would have been the only ones being saved. But Jews were being saved. So something specifically was plugging their ears. Something specifically was hardening their hearts. Hebrews tells us what it is. Unbelief. They didn't believe, so they wouldn't call. They wouldn't call. Heart is hard. Ears are plugged. Eyes are blind. Because Christ has not, would not, does not come across and force the door to any heart open that he might be able to share. But let's continue to look at John 12. These things, listen to this, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory. Now who is the he in the beginning? Jesus, right? Who's the he in the beginning? He did many works. Who was it? Jesus. Is there any reason for this his to be somebody else now? Nope. Nobody else has been introduced, have they? Just Jesus. These things Isaiah said, the words that we just read, he said when he saw his glory. So he's speaking of Jesus Christ and he spoke of him. Man, if you want to know what he's talking about, you want to know what he's what he's eluding to, then you got to go to Isaiah chapter 6. So I invite you, flip over to Isaiah chapter 6. It's not going to come up on the screen, so you're going to have to get there yourself. That's how you know Jackie's coming off of notes. Isaiah chapter 6. These things, right? That their hearts were hard, their ears were closed, their eyes were blind. Isaiah said when he saw Jesus' glory. That's what it says in John 12. In Isaiah 6, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord God Almighty sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple Above it stood seraphim, each with six wings. Two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And he cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D, the proper name of God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Who's Isaiah looking at right now? According to John 12, he's looking at Jesus Christ. How do I know that's important? Because the Old Testament declares to us that no one can see God the Father. Why? Because He is Spirit. So in order to see God Almighty, you had to see Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty in the flesh. Isaiah 6, he goes on. It says, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said... Woe to me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Yahweh, Jehovah, I don't care what words you put to it, He is seeing God Almighty. According to John chapter 12, who is God Almighty? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Then it says, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, 
Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, You go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. John chapter 12 said, Isaiah said that when he was standing in the throne of God, looking at the throne of God, and speaking to Jesus. We have a message to share, and who Jesus is is vital to that message. In John chapter 8, Jesus declared, Unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe I am. According to Exodus, when God was asked by Moses, Who shall I say has sent me? God would declare to Moses, Tell them, tell the people, I am has sent you. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. Now, a lot of people will tell you, no, all Jesus is saying, unless you believe he exists. Really? Is that what it sounds like to you? Because that's not how it sounds to me. A little while later, he's going to say, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. And the people say to him, well, when did Abraham see your day? You're not old enough to be around with Abraham. He died a thousand years ago. Before Abraham was, I am. He said, ego I me. I am. The I am statement is a declaration that I am eternal God. Look, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you just believe he existed, if you just think God exists, you don't understand that God became flesh and died for your sins rose again on the third day and ever lives to make intercession, to pray for you, that you can make it, that you will overcome the struggles in your life. And you don't know Jesus. If your Jesus is anything other than that, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's another Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved than at the name Of Jesus, God in the flesh who died for us. Listen, let's go back to John 12. Just wrap up this thought. These things Isaiah said when he spoke and when he saw his glory and spoke of him, Jesus. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they would be put out of the synagogue. Here's the reason why. Remember I told you there will be a reason why people reject For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. If you love something, you will praise that something. They didn't love Him because they loved the accolades of the people more. They wanted the accolades of the people shouting their names. They didn't want. Jesus was not their treasure. He's got to be our treasure. 
They wanted the praise of the people more. So they didn't believe. That's what he declares in John chapter 12. Someone's got to respond to the message. Those who don't respond to the message love other things more. They love other things more. They love their stuff. They love their freedom. They love their things. They love uh, the, the, the praises of the people. They love a uh, full garage. They love uh, the riches that they can have. Now, I'm not saying you can't have those things and Christ. I'm just saying they love those things more. Two stories out of the scripture. Uh, I want to say Luke, like 19 and 21. Rich young ruler. You guys remember the rich young ruler? He comes to him, good teacher, what must I do to do the works of God, right? Oh, you've read what it says in Scripture. He lists out several things out of the law. He says, I've done these since my youth, what else must I do? So Jesus said, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. Oh, Jackie, are you saying we've got to get rid of all our stuff if we're truly going to come to Christ? No, you've got to listen to the next part of the story. In chapter 21, he runs into another rich, young ruler. He's also known for short stature. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the Lord passed underneath that sycamore tree. What did he say to Zacchaeus? Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your place. And all the people said, why is he going there? Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He's a dirty, rotten sinner. He's filthy rich because he stole from a bunch of people. I can't believe Jesus is going to go there. And Jesus went there and ate with Zacchaeus. That's all the Bible tells us. Jesus went there and ate with him. And when the meal was done, Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'm going to give Every penny I ever stole from anybody back. I'm going to give back double, quadruple. I'm going to give money to all these things. I'm going to do all this stuff. You know what Jesus said? Today, salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus. Why? Because he gave away his stuff? No. Why? Because he loved Jesus more. He loved him more than his stuff. We have to tell. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. We have to share. We have to share what it is God is doing for us. But then look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. It's so vital that we recognize the point because... I think sometimes we think, you and I think, we gotta work up faith. I, I, I gotta, I gotta get more faith. I gotta get more, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, faith is in me. Faith is not in you. You don't have no faith in you. What's the Bible say? Faith comes how? Hearing. What? The word. Which word? It's the word of God. The word of God. What's the word of God? It's the message of Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah. It's every page, every verse, every word in that book on your lap. It declares, if you pour that into you, you will have faith. How will they hear if someone doesn't tell? you got to go tell them. What do we got to tell them? The things that the Word of God says about who Jesus is. And when you share the Word of God into the heart that is willing to believe, faith springs up and they call on the name that saves. 
how will that happen if you don't tell them? There's 4,000 people roughly in the, in the town of Buell. I can't talk to them all by myself. And once we go outside of that, and we got Castleford's got like 300. <laughs> Filer, I think, is like 800 or something. Twin Falls gets a bit bigger, don't it? Who's going to tell all those people? Well, Jackie, I put 20 bucks in a plate so you'd go tell them all. Well, it's going to take me a long time to do that by myself. Look, God said, He sent us all. If you know Him, if you love Him, you've got to tell people about Him. You can't keep silent. It's got to flow through. It's the Word of God that brings that faith. And faith in the Word of, through, or because of, out of the source of the Word of God, brings people to believe. But in, in verses 18 through 21... There's a couple of objections, he says. Well, well, what about Israel then? <clears throat> but I say, have they not heard? Did Israel hear the word of God? Have they heard the word of God? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. But I say, did they not know? Didn't they understand what they heard? Did, Israel heard, but she didn't receive. Did she, did she not understand? He says, First, Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found by those who didn't seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I stretch out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So the reason Israel rejected was it because they did not hear. No, the Word declares that it went out to the ends of the earth. They heard. Was it because they did not understand? No, it wasn't because they didn't understand. Because Moses way back told them that God would provoke them to jealousy through a nation, through a foolish nation. Welcome to the foolish nation. We're it. The foolish nation. I will bring... The wisdom of the wise to nothing. I will use the foolish to confound the wise. The weak to confound the strong. I'm going to use this crazy idea of people sharing their love for me with others. You know what brings people to the family of God? Your love of God. Not your knowledge, your love of God. You love Him. People say, man, I want to love God like that. I want to know God like that. I want to, I want to have a relationship with God like that. I, I want those things. I need those things. They heard the message. They heard the message. And they understand that the purpose of God was to achieve the message or to bring the message to Israel through the reception, the fact that the Gentiles received the gospel. Look. In John 1.11. It says that Jesus came into his own. And his own did not receive him. Right? 
But he was received by a people that weren't looking for him. You know how many people come to faith every day that aren't looking for God? They're not looking. They're just living life, man. God is looking for them. How's he looking for them? Through you. How's he looking through them through me? How is God God reaching out to them through me? Because if you love him, you're going to tell him. You're going to say, man, I love God. Love him. I love what he's done for me. I love how he's set me free. I love how even in the midst of all the garbage of life, I got hope. Because this place ain't my home. That house I pay for in California still five years later after I came here (laughs) is not my home. It is a giant lead ball hanging around my neck. (laughs) But it's not my home. And when God sells it and I get one here, that won't be my home neither. My home is with Him. I can't wait to be with Him. I can't wait to look in his eyes. I can't wait for all this nonsense to be over. I can't wait for it all to be finished. But it ain't finished. And I got a job to do. And that job is to tell people that I love Jesus. That he is God in the flesh who died for me. He gave himself that I might be free. That I might have a future and a hope. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God. To as many as did what? Believed on his name. Yeshua. Yahweh is my salvation. That's what Jesus means. Yahweh is my salvation. Whosoever believes, calls. And whosoever calls, they're saved. Nobody cries out for the name of Jesus and drops. Everybody who cries out for the name of Jesus gets caught. Held in his hands. Reserved for glory. That's good news. And if you believe it's good news, you can't keep it to yourself. You got to tell somebody else. Good news. God wants us to go into all the world and declare the good news. Jesus Christ has saved me. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for the truth of what you have done, what you are accomplishing in our lives. Lord, as we look at these these three chapters dealing with the, the rejection of Israel and the reception of the nation uh, or the Gentile nations and, and how, God, you're going to use the Gentile nations to still reach your people. And, and God, that we have a responsibility and a job to share, to do the things that didn't get done before. Lord, you're asking us, if you really believe what you believe is really real, then you've got to tell somebody. One thing leads to the other. If I believe, really believe, Jesus is who He said He is. If I believe, really believe, that Jesus has done for me what He said He's done for me. If I believe, really believe, that He is raised from the dead. If I believe, really believe, that He lives every single day of eternity praying for me. To give me what I need to make it. Man, that's good news. Because it's all free. I don't got to pay nothing. All I do is receive the gift. Believe he is who he said he was. Call upon his name. And he will save me. For I know... In whom I have believed and I am persuaded that Jesus Christ is able to keep me into that day. He is worthy. He is worthy of my praise. He is worthy of my time. He is worthy of my money. He is worthy of my abilities. He's worthy of my gifts. He's worthy of my talents. He is worthy. A life spent, poured out for Him, is a life spent well. God, I pray that You would meet us in this place, that Your Spirit would move Lord God, that if there would be anyone here who doesn't know you that way, doesn't know who you are, didn't, doesn't know that that matters, that it's important that you have to understand who Jesus is. He is who He said He is. That's the Jesus that saves. God, I pray that Your Spirit would bar them from walking out of this place without coming up and praying. Meeting with one of the prayer counselors up front and praying that they would receive gift that you are giving freely that they would believe and call on your name and that they would be saved but that's just the beginning of the story I pray God when they walk out this door they find somebody to tell they find somebody to say I love Jesus more And I pray, Lord God, that you would do a work in our community. That you would do a work in our county and in our state and in our nation. 
was not going to be because somebody voted somebody else in or did something else. It was going to be because men and women fell in love with Jesus. And you change us from the inside out. God, I pray that you would be glorified in this place. For we seek to honor you in all we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.